Hello, it's the 11th of July and year of our Lord 2023 and it's just gone 11am here in the UK. I am delighted to be back. The shows are starting to pick up a new season of Liberty Tactics and the Lou Collins radio show with lots of guests coming up in the future. Um, but today's show, I'm joined by the one and only wonderful Welsh wizard, Roy Davis. Hi, Roy. Hi, Lou. How are you doing? Yeah, uh, not bad at all. Uh, events, the, the tempo of events now has picked up dramatically. Haven't they? And I want to touch on a few things uh, at the end, Roy. But first of all, about a year and a half ago, we, you introduced the idea of bricks. That's where it, I think about a year and a half ago, you brought the subject of bricks up. And the countries that are involved, Brazil, Russia, China, who else is there? And India. India, South Africa. South yeah. Africa, that's right. And they were going to be leading the way. And you predicted that they would announce that the BRICS currency would be gold-backed. And you you came up with those predictions over probably over a year and a half ago. And uh, we've had some news this week, Roy. So I want you to break it all down, what this means to the WCCC countries, specifically us here in Britain, and um, take it away. Okay, Lou. Uh, actually, it was uh, five years ago when I first uh, started writing about the BRICS countries and how they would pose a very serious challenge in the future. But you're right, I think it was about two years ago, one of my first broadcasts for yourself, that I did mention uh, BRICS. And now we come into that uh, period of history I always you know, believed would, would, uh, would, would take place, would come about. And, you know, there's... <laughs> There's that old saying, those closest to history never realize history in the making. And that's really, really true because the events that are taking place now and will take place uh, are not, uh, th there's no precedent in world history, such as the, uh, the enormity of what's about to take place uh, on, on planet Earth in the next uh, three, six months. Now, you mentioned the issue of uh, bricks, gold, and a currency. Now, much has been made by the alternative contrarian leading economists on this uh, gold currency and gold, linked to currency, etc. And um, what is the statement that RT put forward last week, which, which really started this whole discussion off. And I'd, I'd remind the listeners that none of this has really appeared in the uh, serious press. And where it has, it's echoed the alternative contrarian leading economists in that they state quite clearly, contrarian leading economists, they have some doubts about a gold-backed currency whether it could be put in place, whether it's feasible. But if you go on my Telegram channel, Roy 17 I actually put the RT video where RT, the official site of the government, the, uh, they say in, the, in that little two-minute video, the BRICS countries are planning to introduce a new trading currency which will be backed by gold. Ah, here you go. 
You see the difference? A there is a big difference between a trading currency and a gold-backed currency. But at bottom, what the, if you like, the, the contrarian economists, many of them are very clever, very good people, patriots, they're not taking into account the fundamental change and nature in the issuance of money and credit. They still have not understood that that is under the control of the peoples or the governments that represent the peoples of their particular countries. That's being taken away from the cabal. And that's the key difference. And unless you understand that, then you're going to get confused because the idea that you're going to have a gold-backed currency. Well, I'll come to that. I'll come to that. But, but, but I'll preface this pod podcast by having a look at the last gold-backed currency or the end of the last gold-backed currency. In 1971, you know, Richard Milhouse Nixon, the then president of the United States, took the US dollar off the gold standard. And what do we mean? when we say that he took it off the gold standard. Well, at the time, one ounce of gold was equivalent to 34 or $35. So in theory, you could go to any bank, give them $35 and ask for an ounce of gold, and you would be given one ounce of gold. And that would apply not just to Americans, but anybody who held dollars. Now, a guy called de Gaulle, General de Gaulle, French president, he recognized that the dollar was already inflated and there was too much of them. And that he, he had loads of dollars, so he actually sent over a warship uh, full of dollars and said, right, we'll take the gold straight away. And that did happen. But that's when, if you like, Nixon and the cabal realized that the dollar was inflated. There was a lot of them. They weren't backed up by the goods in society. And they could lose all their gold, so they, they took the gold, they took the dollar off the gold standard. Now there is no question, no question at all that the BRICS are gonna any currency, yuan, ruble, uh, <laughs> Dina, any of them, none of them are gonna go on a gold standard. And I don't believe it's gonna be announced uh, August the twenty second or twenty third. I'll come to that a little bit later. Now when I talk about 1971 and America, you have to remember that it was still the preeminent power on the planet, both economically and financially, as distinct from now, where it's a declining, you know, it, it is literally, its industrial base is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. It's no longer one of the world's great manufacturing producers. It's the most indebted country in the world. In other words, it's a very, very weak version of itself that it was in 1971, but it was forced to go off the gold standard some 50, 60 years ago. Now, Nixon, to retain, Nixon obviously it was in the interests of America to try and retain the dollar as the world's reserve currency, but they couldn't do it because they were off the gold standard. Enter the scene of history, Henry Kissinger. Kissinger traveled over to Saudi Arabia and some of the other Gulf countries, and he came up with a deal. 
And the deal was with Saudi Arabia, the biggest producer of oil on the planet at that time, where they agreed that they would only sell oil in U.S. dollars. And in return, Kissinger said the American military will be the muscle. Be the muscle for yourself and other, and other Arab states. Any problems, we'll take care of it. So we can conclude that oil, gas, coal, energy is the lifeblood of the world economy. If you control it, you control the world economy. Now, that was true then, and it's most certainly true now. So that, let's go back. It says, Saudi Arabia, they say in 1974, we're only accepting dollars. You're only paying American dollars. That then meant that all countries would have to purchase U.S. dollars to buy energy from Saudi Arabia and the Gulf countries. That was an enormous weapon in the U.S. armory. It literally restored the reserve currency status of the U.S. because it allowed them, the U.S., to define the terms of trade with other countries. What do I mean by that? Okay, so the U.S., from that point on, they would say, you want to buy, I don't know, $5 million, you know, $5 million, give a figure on it, say, a country in Africa is doing that. Oh, well, let's have a look at your raw commodities and materials. Oh, we'll take, we'll take that much. You know, you give us that, we'll give you $5 million so you can, you can buy some energy. And with its you know, most favoured nation stateless partners, they did, they did a, bet, a better deal. In other words, not only did they have the world's reserve currency once again, but now they were going to weaponize it. You know, the IMF and the World Bank were under, under their control, their organizations. And if you have a look at the last 40, 50 years, they've been used to savage third world countries, to uh, institute economic warfare on these countries where they literally, you know, their populations withered on the vine and died. And if, the, if that failed, then America had no compunction. They would send the troops in no problem at all so i'm going to jump now to 2022 to the start of the ukraine war because that's a defining moment in world history before we do that as an aside i'd like to recap now on the ownership of oil who owns the oil and the energy on a world scale right because it's important We'll see why later on in the discussion. And I'll try to be brief in this discussion. In 2016, OPEC Plus was formed. Now, what is OPEC Plus? It was the OPEC countries, the Gulf Cooperation countries, but in came Russia, Iran, Algeria, Nigeria, Congo, uh, Equatorial Guinea, Gabon, and Venezuela. No United States of America. Now, that was in 2016. Now, this group is enormously enhanced in its control of the world's energy supply at this moment in time, still under the dollar, the petrodollar. Although there are some breakthroughs taking place, particularly in Qatar, Bahrain, a number of those countries where uh, the French are paying in, uh, in Remnimbi. And I'll come to that a little bit later. 
So let's get back now to the special military operation in Ukraine. So February the 24th, 2022, you have uh, you have the special the start of the special military operation. Now I'm not going to delve into the mechanics of the war. I'm just going to deal uh, with how it affects the, uh, this discussion at this moment in time. Now the immediate response of the Western cabal-controlled countries, the WCCC countries, led by the United States, was to impose sanctions on Russia. You, you know, the resident made his, his immortal, the ruble to rubble statement. The media, the mass media, the fake media, came out with no-name uh, no McCain's famous remark, Russia is a gas station masquerading as a country. And they were very, very confident now that this is it. We'll defeat Russia, Ukraine will. And we can balkanize it, pick, cherry pick the parts we need. And quite frankly, treat it as a colonial continent, or, you know, a colonial, yeah, huge colonial country. But the road to hell, as far as they're concerned, is paved with their bad intentions. So what are the sanctions done? Well, the sanctions have re reduced. Europe in particular, to teetering on the brink of industrial and economic collapse, a ruin. That's reflected now in that uh, political leaders have been moved off the scene of history, are resigning. You've got talk of uh, the military taking power in some countries in Europe, particularly France. In other words, the, the idea of stability is long gone now. Now we've got uh, we've got a massive uh, insecurity, and that's predicated by not having cheap energy, not having cheap commodities, industries being run down, and then as far as Europe is concerned, they're being squeezed by the United States, who are charging them over the odds for LNG. For other, for other forms of energy. And the US itself, let's not forget, is solely dependent on the petrodollar to maintain its world dominance. Having said that, it's, it's burdened by the greatest financial asset debt of any country in history. Its economy, as I've mentioned, is in the toilet. And its asset debt this asset debt is around derivatives because there are some one and a quarter trillion derivatives in dollars. And what did Warren Buffett warn the American government and the Fed about derivatives? He likened them to weapons of mass financial destruction. And remember what I said. That all countries have to buy oil in dollars. And therefore, they have to keep dollar reserves. They have to buy dollars and they have to put them into their own reserves, into their own, effectively, uh, on their own ledger. So they've always got enough money to buy reserves to purchase energy. Now, over the last 50, 60 years, there have been attempts by oil rich countries to get rid of the dollar to get rid of the imposition. You know, the, 
that can be likened by Saddam Hussein trying to sell all. Well, he didn't try to sell. He did sell oil, oil in uh, in euros. It was very successful. But of course, they instituted uh, the war. Then you had Gaddafi, who wanted to back, who wanted to kick out the dollar and institute the gold dinar. Back the gold dinar and again. He said he started it and was enormously successful. Now Italy. A number of European countries were on the road to making agreements. But, of course, you had the removal of Gaddafi. And that was the, the last, the most serious fashion in which the dollar is weaponized. It's when the, their military go in and remove any opposition or any attack, as they see it, on the hegemony of the dollar. But what's interesting are the figures I'm about to give. Now, I've got these figures from an article by Pepe Escobar on the 27th of the 4th, 23. And he gives figures out in relation to the US dollar share of global reserves. Now, in 2001, he said, 73% of all current reserves held by all the other countries on the planet were in dollars. Now, by 2021, he said, it, he puts down as 55% of all currency reserves are held by dollars. In 2022, it says 47% of all currency reserves are held in dollars. And in 2023, this is what I'm putting forward, I believe you'll have less than 30% held in dollars, specifically after the BRICS summit, summit of August 2023. Now remember, when we discuss about these developments in BRICS. We should remember, we should take into account that Russia has the largest reserves of all basic commodities from foodstuffs to rare earth metals, to gas, to oil, to coal on the planet. China is the workshop of the world. And you've got to bring in Iran here because Iran is a key player. And its technological advances are now way ahead of the WCC countries. So let's move to the BRICS Summit of 2023 that's taking place in South Africa. Now, interestingly enough, President Cyril Ramaphosa of South Africa has invited all the African nations to attend. And odds are that they will. Now, why has he done that? Well, a word on BRICS. And if you like, their ethos, they have embarked, as I mentioned earlier, on the biggest political and economic revolution in world history. But theirs is a movement of sovereign nations united in their stated goal. What is their stated goal? It's to lift the living standards of the mass of humanity. Hence, they're inviting all African nations to the BRICS summit. Why? Because that is the continent which has suffered most of all under the hegemony of British Empire and of Pax Americana. And they are going to be the most, they are, they are the most earnest supporters of BRICS. Now, the basic structure of BRICS, I believe, is going to change on a number of fronts in August of this year. As regards new members, I don't think, you know, there's... You can see, read articles, you know, upwards of 30, 40 countries wanting to join 
bricks. But in my opinion, I think they'll only accept two full members, Iran and Saudi Arabia. And then it'll become, if you like, uh, it'll become BRICSA. Uh, I think other countries will become what we call alternate members. I think you'll get a good uh, a number of countries will be alternate members. In other words, they can take part in the discussions and the proceedings like a full member, but they just won't have the vote. It'll be the big seven, which will uh, which which will guide the BRICS in the next period. Now, different organisations, like like the Shanghai Cooperation Organisation, the SCA, the SCO, Eurasian Economic Union, known as the EAEU, the New Development Bank, and and, and other bodies which I'm not going to go through. I think they'll all coalesce now come as one under the BRICS umbrella. The Belt and Road Initiative. I think it's going to be discussed. Look, if you have a look at the Asian heartlands, uh, and then you have a look at the Gulf, and then you have a look at South Africa, you have a look at the continent of Africa. I'm not going to deal here with Brazil, because that's a different entity altogether. But if you have a look at those areas I've just talked about, the main structure, now infrastructures in place, you know, they have uh, the Northern Corridor. They have the uh, East-West Corridor. They have the huge railways uh, railways uh, uh, and roads being set up. And they're already, if you like, carrying the, uh, the basic cargoes and commodities that's required of them. This next period is going to be uh, the integration of individual nations, you know, from ports to cities, from cities to, uh, to to mines to factories, it's that it's that that they're going to be discussing and implementing in the next period. But the first and most important step will be a new trade settlement currency, and that will apply. The trade settlement currency, I believe, will apply to the major BRIC players, BRICS players, and that would be Russia, China. India, Iran, South Africa, and Saudi Arabia. Brazil, as I said, won't be a part of it. And in fairness, when you uh, when you listen to uh, to Lula Lula Silva, you know he's meeting with Argentina. He's meet, he's meeting with uh, various countries, and he's putting forward their own currency, gold back currency. The uh, the go-back trading currency, the Mercosur, I think it's called. So who are the net exporters? The net, and the, the reason why, let's, let's explain this trade agreement. See, the, the bilateral trade agreements underpin what's going to be announced. What are bilateral trade agreements? They, they're agreements between two countries. And they're mainly, the main countries that are carrying through bilateral agreements are the big seven. Are the big six, sorry. They're the ones who are instituting numerous bilateral countries, uh, agreements with different countries, small and large. Why? Because they've got enormous wealth and they have enormous power, commodity power, labor power, production power, etc., or, or energy. So they enter into a bilateral agreement in their own currencies. And what happens is, at the end of the year, if it's, uh, if it's the ruble 
and say the dinar, and they are net exporters, not net importers. So it's most probably that the the balance will be on the on the on the country of the agreement that they've made to fess up and pay up. Now that will be paid in gold or a token of gold, and that's where, if you like the uh, the trade settlement hub. You'll have a bank or a clearing house, which, which won't be aligned to any individual country. But it's where the countries can, you know, they, they can put their currency in or their gold in, and they can get these, let's call them brachista tokens, these trading tokens, which will allow them to clear, clear their debt. And in that sense, there's about 40 countries have signed these individual agreements. But these seven major countries, well, they can, you can say, they'll have many different agreements. You know, whereas they're signing agreements that we know of, but there'll be, you can use that major country and they can, another country can travel through it. It's not very really difficult to understand, but the, the most powerful countries have already got their digital gold back currencies either in place. Or they're going to be put, or they're being put in place at this moment in time. I don't want to talk about the West, but it's quite obvious that the digital currencies of the West, backed by thin air, will not be able to compete with gold-backed digital countries. So for this financial trade settlement hub, we'll call uh, the tokens that they'll get out of it, brachistas. Now, at this point, it gets very interesting because the issue of what happens in the Western cabal-controlled countries. Well, at a recent meeting of the Shanghai Corporation Organization, Chi said that he had no issue with, w, with WCCC countries purchasing, at this moment in time, gold-backed yuan. Now, why is gold-backed yuan important? What, what role does the gold-backed yuan play? Well, we're talking about, if this is implemented, what we're outlining, then that will mean, you know, it could mean the falling of currencies. So you've got fiat currencies falling, and then you, you've got the option of purchasing a gold-backed country, a currency and using it. Well, obviously, you're going to invest in the gold-backed country, currency, and let the fiat-backed thin-air currencies go to the wall. So if you're applying sanctions, that's it. you see, I think that, that issue in which Chi raised it, how he raised it, will be the stance of the BRICS countries. I think that they're going to say, yeah, yeah, we haven't got a problem with, uh, with the WCC countries buying the Brachista, you know, the golden trading token. We haven't got a problem with that at all. But if you're applying sanctions against us, obviously we won't, be, we won't consider you you know, a viable partner. You can't have it both ways. And herein lies the breakup. Japan and Europe were suffering enormously, will drop their sanctions. They'll quickly unite with, uh, with Russia and with the heartland and get on board. Now, I, I, don't, know whether, I don't know whether you recall, Lou, that I, I have stated numerous times that these developments would take place, but I stated that the ending of the petrodollar 
will signal the beginning of the end for the currencies of the WCCC countries. Yeah, I remember that very well, Roy. So Saudi Arabia, their observer status on the on the SEO, they've joined the new development bank. They <laughs> will be accepted into BRICS, and they play a, a leading role in the control of the world's energy in OPEC plus. Yeah. But China, as I said, they play a key role. Why? Because they're the biggest purchasers of energy and their monies, you know, they'll pay for energy in yuan. And if you want to, you can you can say, oh, I'll cash it in and get gold. That's it's a it's a it's a no brainer. Why would you take a currency that's falling through the floor and is losing its value? So you, you can see that there's a choice to be made. And before we get to the implement, you see, it has to happen in unison. What comes first? But I think you've got to have in operation the Bakista, that uh, trading currency. Why? Because it insulates all the national currencies from the fall of the Western currencies. Why? Because they trade will be linked to gold. Therefore, their currencies will stand the test. Now, it doesn't take a genius that Saudi Arabia, if it, you know, it's still at the stage where it's, it's accepting euros, it's accepting dollars. Well, when these start falling, they're going to say, forget that. Forget that. We'll, we'll, go, we'll sell in the yuan. We can have gold. We can, you know, we can we can store that. It's a store of value. It's not depreciating, and that's what's most likely. That's the development that's going to happen. That joint development is going to take place. So what happens if South Africa says, you know, we're going to take other countries? They're not going to say we're not taking the dollar. No, they're going to say we'll take other countries. Well, at one fell swoop. Well, BRICS after this August meeting will represent. 65% of the population of the planet and over 50% of GDP. Well, all the players in BRICS, they'll all want to trade in yuan and they'll get great assistance to do that as well. That will mean that trillions and trillions of dollars will flood back to the US. The dollar's purchasing power and exchange rate will collapse. And you see, that's. That's part of the process of this stage development towards a gold-backed currency. The trading currency of the Brickster, that's there to protect national currencies and ensure that they can not only survive when the West is falling down, but they can thrive. They can thrive. The big BRICS exporters, they'll, which I've just mentioned, they, they'll use their economic might to produce and promote an economic expansion of the productive forces. And in so doing, they'll fulfill their aims, which have always been to lift the living standards and conditions of the mass of humanity from the gutter into the 21st century. As a basic goal, they've got the elimination of poverty, squalor, and want. And they will carry that through very, very quickly. In the next period, in what will be, as I said earlier, the greatest event in human history.
I'll leave it there, Lou. Wow, Roy. Speechless, really. You're just, um, it's just showing everything that you said all those years ago is all coming to fruition. And um, people need to be going and buying gold, would you suggest? Uh, I think I'm not, I'm not a financial or economics expert by any means, but I think that obviously once this gets instituted, then it begs the question, who sets the price of gold? And I think the price of gold with now on the advent of these developments taking place will be set by the, uh, by the East, by the BRICS. Now, you have a choice. You either follow and accept whatever, and it'll be an increased amount of dollars for gold, that's for sure, then the West has a choice. If it wants, if it wants to partake, then first of all, it's got to drop its sanctions. And secondly, it's got to purchase the Brixter tokens. In other words, it's got to put gold into the bank to get these gold tokens back out. So, you know, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. But you can see now that uh, the bankrupt, indebted WCCC countries are now on the horns of an enormous dilemma. They're very, very weak trading economies, very, very weak industrial bases. They're not the commodity producers of the 1970s. That's moved over. They have massive asset debt. Their banks are teetering on the brink. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Which way forward? Covadis. You know, they've got to make the decisions now. And it's not the case that uh, the BRICS countries set out to destroy the dollar. They don't give a damn for the dollar. They don't give a damn for the Western countries, currencies. They set in their stall out. Irrespective of what happens to the golden billion, as, the, as we're called, they are going to go forward and they're going to carry the mass of humanity with them. That's it. Oh. Yeah. Well, we've got so much going on at the moment, Roy. Really, it's like it's going a bit crazy. I mean, we've obviously got the distraction from the BBC. Um, like the, the, the big surprise is who isn't um, a dirty nonce at the BBC. Uh, very much looking like it's Hugh Edwards, um, news BBC news presenter. Uh, we've also had Sound of Freedom come out, which originally was due to come out in 2018. There were issues with distribution, but primarily, I think they were holding out to bring it out at this time because what's it's it's preparing the public. So there's so much shock an uproar over this film. You know, you're seeing these, you know, these teenagers who are usually into the podcast, you know, they're into their music and they're into their gaming, don't really want to know what's going on in the world. And they've ended up, it's going to the cinema because people are talking about it and seeing this film and wow, they are being woken up massively. And I, I 1 million percent believe this is preparing people for what's to come with regards to the leaders of this world. So no. um, there are a lot of people out there saying there's an old picture there of Jim Caviezel with his hand over his eye in a, in a photo right. shoot with that one hand over it. Yeah. That's it. They're, the slander that this guy's got. I don't know whether it was before the Passion of the Christ or 
after. I don't know. What I do know is myself and colleagues and friends and others have been trying to expose the abuse and the trafficking of innocent children around the world for the last 13 years. That movie has done what we've all been trying to do just to reach out. And do you know what I'm really disappointed in, Roy? There's a fellow truther out there who I have been telling all this to for years and years. And the only thing that matters to children, I've lost so many friends. I've been kicked out of these little think tank groups because they're all talking about the 5G, Roy. They're all talking about COVID still, vaccines. And I'm like, just stop, just stop. Look what's going on. And you know what? It's taken that person not to believe me of what's been going on, but people's reaction videos of normies talking about the sound of freedom, and what's going on. I mean, I'm very, I'm, I'm great, great that people are doing it. But, you know, this friend of mine who's also within the truth community wasn't, you know, wouldn't focus. He knew it was going on, but wouldn't focus. And now all his energy wants to go into that. So regardless of what people think of Jim Caviezel, I don't believe he's the other side one minute. I certainly don't believe Tim Ballard is for one minute. And uh, I watched an X-22 earlier, Roy, yes, last night. And uh, Tim Ballard is mentioned in one of the Q drops. Uh, no, I, th I think points you raise are all valid, Lou. And, uh, you know... In, in Britain, you see, the, the issue, re, the issue as uh, about the uh, the presenter, well, that's that's blown right up now. It's blown, uh, but 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 what's that isn't really. It, it ignited the the issue, but the real issue is the BBC. Yeah, you know, the, the, you have a chance here to really put them to the sword. Absolutely. You, yeah, you know, they knew about this in May, and this guy, he was on uh, July the fifth. He was still everything was hunky dory in his world. But what people are forgetting, what not forgetting, but what they what they're missing is this is a public corporation. We own that exactly. You know, where are the statements of the ministers, of the government, of the Metropolitan Police? Yeah, it's a very serious position. They find themselves in now, but and I believe. Why are the BBC? I mean, what about all these other people who work for the BBC are being tarnished like this? I mean, one, it's their fault for working for a corporation like that. Really, there's been enough about the BBC that anybody who's working there must condone the abuse of children. Sorry about that. No, it's a bit harsh, but that's that's basically the be all and end of it. Everyone knows what goes on at the BBC, and if you're going to continue to work there, you must be prepared to be labelled something like that. And there was all of these BBC presenters from radio and TV across Twitter the other day you know don't blame me don't, well don't speak to the bbc right, look, Your look, the, the, and speak to the, well really they they have no defense because we, we're talking about a corporation that employed savile and uh you know protected him that employed uh rolf harris and protected him you know he can carry it's the knockout there was that old boy that uh what was his name the old boy, he did a lot of the presenting. He was a commentator. Him as well. I mean, it's there's endless. The the list is endless with the BBC. But, you know, they started off Philip Schofield. <laughs> That's where he started. So this is what the BBC yep. is about. And if they're going to go and work for the BBC, they have to be prepared. Yes, but I think, Lou, that 
this is just the opening of the door. Yes. I, I think some very, very big and in, uh, famous individuals in entertainment, in politics, are now going to be exposed in the next period. Absolutely. This is something which is going to develop now. You know, you mentioned about Sound of Freedom. Great. That's the first. That's the first film which is awakening people up and having a dramatic effect. But you're going to get more now. The tempo of events now is rolling. Yeah. The pressure, if you like, the, the White Hats are now not on defensive anymore. We're on the attack. Yeah. Now, as with, as with Biden, Hunter Biden, they've weaponized the Justice Department. They've weaponized everything in their favor. Therefore, you, you're not going to get any, anybody going to jail in this next period. And you're not going to get the conviction of the BBC or anything else like that. But what you are doing now, the masses' eyes are being opened. Now they're beginning to come out of their torpor, their slumber. You know, the, the, the likes of, you know, uh, allegedly Hugh, Hugh Edwards, you know. I've seen the pictures, by the way, and they've not been denied by the guy. You know, in, any, in any other country in the world, the media would be outside his door and they would say, you know, we're going to give you the right to reply. You know, you want to rebut these in fear. You know, it's just... You know, freedom of speech. Here as well, Roy. The media, like that. You know, the sun have gone out, and there's this BBC. But just frigging name him. Yeah, but like, why are they protecting him? I, I think that, uh, from my point of view, I don't, uh, I, I don't have any truck with the mass media at all, particularly the Sun, because I've never read that paper ever since Hillsborough and the ninety ninety seven. It's a disgusting rag. They all are. And, they all are, Roy. Yeah, they, they all are. So I've got, uh, when you look to them for support, you know you're in a bad way. Yeah. But I think, you know, the, the the point is that social media now, that Twitter, that the uh, the, uh, the journals, the, the working class journals, the everyday journalists, people who just got up and knocked a few lines out, you're not, they're having an enormous impact now. Yeah. And the beginning, you know, <laughs> The, the tabloids have a very poor base of support. The broadsheets have even less base of support. The one There are pluses about the internet, the mass media, the social media, in that we're able to get the story out there now and they can't, can't, they can't counteract it. But that's the period of history we're in at this moment in time. It's only going to get, it's only going to get more uh, better as far as we're concerned. That because they're going to, the cabal and its acolytes are going to be exposed more and more in the next period. Of Absolutely. Now, I just want to touch on one thing. I want to say a big thank you to Samantha, um, who has been uh, been amazing. So um, I don't know if I don't know if I told you, Roy. I uh, my bank account got frozen the other day. On the same, uh, the following day, I receive a letter saying that um, they're going to seek possession of my house because um, my rent used to get paid during the COVID. We have to, I had to claim obviously housing benefit and uh, they pay a month in, in arrears. So now I'm, yes. doing, now I'm not on it. I'm paying my rent, but I can't obviously clear up to bring it up to one. I don't have the money, you know, I just haven't got enough yes. You know, money, and um, they've known that the housing association there was never any problem. And then all of a sudden, and I don't believe in coincidences, I have a frozen bank account. And then within the next day, a letter comes through seeking possession. And then yesterday, I had a phone call out of the blue from my doctors telling me they'll no longer prescribe me my inhalers 
because I don't go along with the guidelines from the NHS. So what are the guidelines for the NHS if you're an asthmatic? To be taking steroids inhalers and making sure you have your jabs. So it's apparently yeah. it's a safeguarding issue. So um, then because I speak loudly, I used to teach children how to ride horses. I project my voice. I try and rein in and I'm probably going a little bit deaf as well. Um, but I I talk loudly and the doctor wouldn't let me really speak. He just every time I went to speak, he said I was to shout at him. So I went very quietly like this. And um, I, when he brought up that it's a safeguarding issue that he needed to speak to all the other board members at the doctor's surgery, I did. I, I asked him about how did he feel about the safeguarding of all of his patients that he injected with an experimental vaccine. Well, that triggered something in him that how dare I discuss conspiracy theories uh, with him. And I tried to ask why he believes, why he's saying it's a conspiracy theory, because it's true. And he put the phone down. So I'm not going. It's it's insane. Like they're that worried about. I mean, I said that to the bank because it was Santander. I said that to the bank, Roy. I said uh, they're legally obliged to freeze people's accounts. So I said, who are you legally obliged to do that for? And then they came up with something like the FSA. And then I, eventually I did bring in that, why are they so bothered on a single mum living in Devon, who they have already censored, they've already shadow banned. Is it because she's been exposing the international bankers such as Jamie Dimon and the head of Santander at Epstein Island and involved with money laundering? And the guy at the end of the phone didn't know what to say. And I said to him, it's not your fault. I said, but you need to have a look at who you're working for, that they want to go to all this, all of this, just for little old me. I've got nothing. They've taken everything away from me, these people. Can't get a job. You know, it's just, it's insanity, Roy. And they are, you know, the deep state are running scared. If they have to go to that much effort, I mean, I'm hoping to get the bank account unfrozen. Um, but I wanted to say a big thank you to Samantha because... I've been invited to go to Parliament, Roy. I've been invited to go and sit out, meet Andrew Bridgen and Lawrence Fox and the Bad Education Law Project, who um, are starting a big case up against the Department of Education involving the grooming of our children in school. So I was invited to that. Didn't know how I was going to get there because it's my little Jack's 18th. And Samantha, thank you so, so much. And to Paul Dilley, who have really helped me out and uh, funded me to get to London to go and meet Andrew Bridgen and ask some questions. And that's why I just want to close the show, Roy, with if there are any questions that anybody wants me to mention to Andrew Bridgen on the subject of the children and the education, you can either email it to me, lou at libertytactics.co.uk, or you can go to one of the Facebook pages and send a message in there, we've got Liberty Tactics, we've got Lou Collins Radio Show, we've got my set, we've got Lou Collins, and we've got Collins Lou. I'm currently using Collins Lou profile. Um, doesn't really make much difference, really. No one sees what I'm doing. Roy, you're no longer on Facebook, are you, really? You don't no. There. No. No. It's just Telegram for you. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Good. So how's things going with you, Roy? Do you have have you ever had an attack? We haven't checked in properly for ages. Have you had an attack? Any any like attacks either across um social media or from banks and institutions? 
Uh, not from uh, banks and institutions. I've had my fair fair degree of, uh, as I say, contretemps with the medical profession. And uh, well, like you, I didn't succeed in getting anywhere. But um, generally speaking, uh, COVID, uh, when COVID is being applied, I face masks, distancing and jabs where I literally took no notice of that at all and just went upon my life as I normally live it. That was a period in uh, you know, I was physically abused, punched, spat on, etc. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that uh, marched out of a out of shops. You know that uh, that, that period is now uh, is long gone. Um, no, I just in general, I um, I suppose I'm looked upon as an aging old man now, which is <laughs> is correct. So I'm full of grey hair, and uh, you know people don't see me. They just a lot of people don't have a clue who you are and yeah. I don't unless uh, you know unless I'm confronted or if I do sometimes if I hear something and uh, you know then I might intervene and try and defend the person that's being attacked but generally speaking I find conversations now are more my way or our way than they've ever been yeah um, and that people are drawing conclusions you know I'll just give an illustration before I go I was uh I was in the queue in uh, in Aldi's, and uh, there were a couple in front of me, and the child, and the, uh, I didn't realise what was happening first of all. But the the, the father or the, the partner, he was counting out how much everything costs, and uh, he, he said, "Yeah, it's okay, it's okay. I think it's okay." And it could, we, we, I was right at the back, and he, he said, "This is ridiculous, you know." If these prices keep on going up, how the how, he said, how are we how are we going to square this? And she said, I don't know. And he said, we can't afford the mortgage now. And I just tried not to listen because you know it was a personal, but you couldn't help but hear. And I just thought, my God, there must be millions and millions now going through these conversations. But it is a waking up process, you know. They were, you know, they were angry at what is taking place. You know, I, that was just a brief snippet. I didn't, you know, I sort of fiddled about the, the back of my knee. Didn't want them to know that I, I'd even heard it. But I think now that millions of people are being awakened, not by uh, not by Q, not by me, but by the actual now attacks on their living standards. They're very real now. Uh, the increase in prices, the increase in mortgage rate. I uh, think the jobs are beginning to go by the wayside. Uh, I think that's all having a, a, you know, a huge effect. And I just think it's, you know, what I've outlined here today, well, that will just worsen uh, the uh, you know, worsen the plight of the golden billion. Because, it, you know, you think about this. I mentioned oil and energy. Well, China, they just stopped... Um, uh, you know, some serious elements which you need for chip conductors, which only they can mine. They've told America, no, you're not having any. We're not selling it to you anymore. And that's a type of economic warfare. And then you have a look that America has got plenty of the materials, but Biden is refusing to sanction any mining of it because of the uh, the the Green Charter, the you know, environmental ESG of the government. And 
that's it's 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 a situation which cannot sustain itself. The West WCC countries now will either have I think they will have military. You know, there'll be military leaderships in these countries. Militaries will come to power. By the way, they'll come to power on behalf of of the people of this, uh, the peoples of the countries they represent. And we will have a situation where the whole of our societies are going to be reorganized. I don't think it'll be a long extended period, by the way, not like Myanmar, but I could definitely see a period of two to three weeks in the not too distant future where, you know, all the banks shut down. Uh, yeah. All the ATMs, ATMs shut down and bang, you, you can have massive disorder in that situation. I believe then it, um, you know, the good guys will come to the fore. Can I but just... We're, we're, Go on. We're, def, we're definitely you know, in that period of history now. You know, that's, that's why you got, uh, you know, Mike Flynn said he didn't think there'd be uh, an election in 2024. Well, you know, the guy, the guy to follow is Douglas McGregor because he's, uh, he, he's directly... You know, having discussions with Trump, you know, and there's absolutely, he said, you know, for his point of view, 2024 elections, how? You know, he says, how does that, how does that happen? You know, yeah. it can't go on. And he says, financial collapse will take place, defeating Ukraine. Then he's got China. In other words, you know, he echoes much of many of the things that we've been talking about. We're still waiting for last... Taiwan, aren't we? We're still waiting for, for Taiwan to go. Well, well, I think it's, you know, that's why I mentioned the, uh, the uh, the rare earth elements. Yeah. So China, China now a sanction in Russia, a sanction in America, you know, and uh, America in a parlous state. And so is WCC. You can see now, you know, the prime ministers are resigning. There's crisis everywhere. You know, it's just the early uh, days. Though. Just the just the last point. What about um, fellow truthers? How? Are they getting on board with the whole bricks and the currency thing? I mean, we did have a lot of them going on about the devolution and stuff, um, which well, is... well, that's a that's a problem they've got, yeah. Because uh, devolution, peers, you know, they apply to America, but America is just a uh, you know, it's, it's it was a superpower, you know, it's going to take its place in a trading block encompassing Latin, South and Central America and Canada. It's going to be a. It'll be a motor force again. It'll be a powerful country. But the the multipolar world, there will be no single individual country that has a global reserve currency. That can, we don't want a world like that anymore. Unfortunately, many of the truthers, they don't know anything about BRICS, you know, because they've got American spectacles on. Every, everything for them is in America. Everything, and that's fair enough, you know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not taking a swipe at them for that. But they're going to miss the boat, not understanding what's taking place. You know, it will mean that they'll be disoriented in regard to future perspectives. You know, you know they might find themselves on the wrong side of uh, history. You know, they've got to, yeah. There's a lot to be discussed, Lou. But you know, at the end of the day, they they do a good job in the sense that even when they they deliberate on their own countries, at least they they bring in information out that never was before. Yeah. So when can we expect you back, Roy? When can we do another show? Because we're going to be starting, springing everything back up now. Um, new season, Liberty Tactics. Um, and we'd well, like to hope I'd, I'd like to... You've got the bricks on the 21st and the 22nd, I think it is. 
Right. Oh no, it's August. It's August. Forget that. No, no. Okay. Yes, July. No, I keep forgetting. Well, yeah, I'll definitely come because you've got uh, NATO, uh, the NATO Vilnius meetings coming up in a few days' time. So I, I can have a look at that, and I'll come in next week, and uh, we'll discuss that. That's amazing. Roy Davis, thank you so much. If you want to check out Roy's work, go to RoyBoy17. His catalogues of shows are all up on libertytactics.co.uk. Um, that's been going. It's coming up to three years now. Um, so that's pretty amazing. And you can also go over to Liberty, um, my old website, lucollins.uk. There's some great research articles on there. There's some of Roy's early shows. So lucollins.uk and libertytactics.co.uk. If you would like to support us, you can do so at libertytactics.co.uk and it will say, help support us. Um, we're going to be coming back, as I say, with lots more new shows. We're going to start doing some videos. Um, I'm going to do a bit of a live stream tomorrow, no, Thursday, up in Parliament with Andrew Bridgen. As I say, if there are any questions involving the children and education, please email me at lou at libertytactics.co.uk or you can get me on various social media platforms, um, Liberty Tactics, Facebook and Lou Collins Radio Show, Facebook. That's it for now. And um, I'll be back in a day or so. Thanks, Roy. Take care, Lou.